How you doing? Doing all right? All right, good. Well, I'm happy you're here. I'm excited for us to continue and dig into the third and final week of this series we're calling Breathe, which is all about worship. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so as we consider how we can breathe out the breath that God has given us to Him in worship. And this week, as we get into it, we're going to be kind of talking a little bit more about how worship really is about what we give to God, not what we get, but then we also know that we can't outgive God, so God will be blessing us in return. And as I was thinking about this with giving, I couldn't help uh, but think about my favorite holiday, which is Christmas, and then it gives me a reason to show the picture of my house with my lights because I love it so much. And so I get super excited about Christmas. I get a little bit crazy. I even, you know, last year I bought a couple more shopping carts full of stuff, so I'm excited. Don't worry, it's Walmart the day after Christmas. It's like 70% off and it's already Walmart. So it's like, it's, I'm not spending too much money, okay? But um, I'm, I'm super excited about all this. And then now I'm going to tell you why I'm talking about it today. Because the sort of, it's got all these crazy lights everywhere, but the core of it is the nativity set, right? I mean, that's the, the reason for the season, right? And so we've got this. And I remember a few years ago, I bought this middle part, this nativity set here. And then the next year, I bought the angels. And then the year after that, last year, I bought the shepherds. And so then this year, I just purchased, it just arrived, I got my wise men, all right? I got my magi. And I'm so excited. They just arrived this week, the box. And, and so they've come. Now, I know that the wise men actually arrived, uh, you know, a couple years later where they weren't early there on Christmas night, but that's why I bought them a few years later, you know? And so it makes sense. It's very accurate to the text. But um, the reason I'm thinking about it today as we talk about worship is because it's so cool. In, in the book of Matthew, in Matthew 2, in the story of the wise men, it says they actually came and they are looking for um, where this baby is or where this child is. And they say, they say to King Herod, they say in Matthew 2, 2, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to what? To worship him. All right. So as we're talking about worship, let's see what these wise men, these magi do to worship. And if you jump up a little bit to verse 10 and 11, I mean, you can just listen. You don't need to look it up. But it's when they saw then this, they, you see, the thing is, is they saw this star and they had been researching, what is this star about? And they'd researched and studied these prophecies and they find that it is about this king of the Jews, this child that was born, and they follow this star from the east to this, the area of Israel and they come to Jerusalem. And now <clears throat> the star is over this house. And verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and here's what they do. It says, they fell to the ground and worshipped him. This little child, these, these sort of dignitaries, right? These sages, these wise men, they go and they fall to the ground and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures that we know so well, but they gave him gold, frankincense, myrrh. So they fall on their face before this child and then give him costly gifts and then it says they basically have to like run for their lives to get away. And so they don't tell King Herod the Great, who was pretty much the most powerful man of that region of the world. And so what was worship? Worship, well, first was a lot of research and digging into who is this child, a long, hard journey. And then when they get there, they fall on their face before him and then give him gifts. 
and then having to run for their lives. And what do they get for that? They get Jesus, right? So they give, they give, they give, and what they get is Jesus. And that's what they're after, and that's what we're all after. And so worship for us is about what we give, not what we get from it. But then at the same time, we can't outgive God, right? So God is always going to be blessing us and touching us or meeting us in that moment in some way, even though we, we come to give and we say, Lord, I'm in this moment to bring my sacrifice. I'm in this moment wherever it is. And it certainly in the time of those wise men, it wasn't a church service singing songs. That's not what worshiping was. So it's got to be more than that. And so for us, we want to give and sacrifice to the Lord, but he will meet us in that moment. And sometimes he's even meeting us when we can't tell that anything is going on and he's growing us from within. And so worship, this, you know, we look today, that worship is about what we, uh, or worship is about how we respond. Sorry, we talked about how the first week was worshiping and remembering the core of what worship is and what it's about. Last week, we talked about worship realigning our hearts and minds to the heart and mind of Jesus. And then today, we look at how we can respond to God. As we have taken that breath, we now exhale and breathe out our worship to God, which was, remember, giving God back his breath that he's already given to us. So I'd like for us to look at Isaiah 6, 1 through 4. And if you want, grab your Bible, grab a Bible on the back, the seat there. If you're using one of those Bibles there, it's on page 490. But Isaiah is a pretty big book. You can kind of flip and find it in the middle somewhere. So um, we're going to read this story that I think is kind of like the it really will help us to process through how worship is a response to God revealing himself to us. So as God reveals himself to us, he reveals himself to us through his word, through this this book, the Bible. That's the primary way that God reveals himself. We know God reveals himself through his creation, through nature. As we're outside even, we can have a sense of God revealing himself to us. We also know that God can reveal himself to us through the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into our hearts and minds as we maybe just even sit in our chair in our living room and we are in a time of prayer before God. God can reveal himself to us. So let's look though at this this book, Isaiah 6. And it's this guy, Isaiah, who's this prophet and he has this vision given to him by God. And it says, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. He's seeing the throne room of God. Seraphim, which are these angelic beings, stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. So Isaiah has this pretty intense, amazing vision of this throne room of God and and all of this worship from these angelic beings of God. And so as God is revealed to him, he's struck with this in this deep way. 
And I think for us, as God is revealed to us, we should also be struck by that and be affected in a deep way. And then I think our response should be, if you remember, we talked about some postures of worship last week. And I encourage you, if you haven't, if you weren't here the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to like even watch the videos online of these sermons just to have a sense of what are, what are these ways that we can express our worship to God. But this, for this one, I think it's to bow before him. As God is revealed to us with all of his strength and might, we bow before him as he is the king of all kings. And that's our response to him. Because the degree to which you respond in worshiping God is directly proportional to how you view him. If you view God as small, your worship of him would be small. If you view God as big and powerful and mighty, our our worship of him should reflect that, that we are struck with, with reverence and awe, as it says in Hebrews 12, that that is the way we are to worship is with reverence and awe of a God who's mighty and powerful and strong. And so I want to encourage you in that, that, that our worship should reflect the way that we see God. And I don't think any of us see God as passive or weak or small. We have a right view of God through his word. But so therefore then, our worship of him should not be weak, passive, and small. We need to be able to engage and express ourselves and express that worship of him that he is worthy of receiving. So it just shouldn't be anything that's passive, right? We just just can't just sit there and kind of spectate and watch. We got to engage in it with all that we can. But I think one of the questions that we often have um, is what if I'm not feeling it, right? Like, so what if I'm just not really feeling it today? Or what if I'm just sort of feeling blah today or I'm tired? Or what if I just, you know, I don't know. What if like, I, I don't like the songs that we're singing? Or, it's, or what if it's like a Thursday morning, I'm supposed to wake up and pray. I'd plan to wake up and spend some time in the Lord and I'm just tired. Like, what do we do in those sorts of moments? And what I want to encourage you with, because you're going to be here a lot of days on a Sunday for worshiping through singing, you're going to be here a lot of Sundays and feel tired. You're going to be here a lot of Sundays and you won't like the song that we're singing. It's just, it's the reality of the situation of life. But if we, what I want to encourage you with is this, is that in those moments, that's the time to dig in most. Okay, that's the time to say, Lord, I'm going to just, okay, God, I'm going to focus myself and give you this, this time of worship the best that I can. Because we talked about how worship is like training and realigning our hearts and minds to the heart and mind of Christ. And so I think of it like any kind of training, right? If you are training in some sort of running or some sport you're involved in or you're involved in kind of some sort of exercise, like I just recently did, we did a, like a short triathlon and it was a lot of training and work going into that. Now, let me tell you, if I only trained when I felt like it, <laughs> when I was feeling it, or if I only trained when the workouts that I you know, was supposed to do, if I liked that workout or not, I only trained then, I would never train, okay? Or I'd maybe train half the time. Sometimes I feel it, sometimes I don't. And so we have to think of it in that sense that when we're not feeling it, it's like, Lord, okay, I'm going to dig into this. I even found myself in this first worship set after preaching this sermon once already today, and I was kind of feeling tired, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, Lord, I just want to, I had to kind of like readjust and I'm going to give you my all in this because it's easy just to sit there and be blah. 
but like, Lord, okay, I want to give you my all in this moment. And I think that's, that's where the growth happens. It's the workouts you don't want to do is where the growth happens. It's these times where you're not feeling it. That's where the growth is happening. So I just encourage you to engage in that way. So worship is, uh, is responding to that holy God as he reveals himself to us. Worship is also a response of recognizing our sinfulness in light of God's holiness. If you check out what happens next in this, this little uh, vision that, that Isaiah has, it says in verse 5, so he's, he's seen all this like kind of crazy, amazing stuff. And it says, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, So he is struck with his depravity, his sinfulness, in light of God's holiness. Because of God's greatness and his holiness, he's recognizing his sin. And that's a good thing, okay? That's actually something that, as you are um, struck by that, you should embrace that in that moment, but then see what happens next in verse 6. Then one of these seraphim, these angelic beings, flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he'd taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity, or your sin, is taken away, and your sin is forgiven." Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. So we're struck by our sin, but in the midst of him saying, woe is me, I'm a sinner, in, in light of a holy God, in that moment then, he experiences this grace and forgiveness upon himself. All right, so in those moments that we are struck with our depravity, our sin in light of God's holiness, our response should be initially that we fall on our face before him, okay? There's this sense of, yes, I am a sinner, in, like, in light of this holy God. But then recognize that there has been victory that Jesus has won. He has defeated sin and death. And so then we rise and we lift our hands and we shout for joy with our worship because we are forgiven, because of grace, because of salvation. And so we know that we don't just sit in the guilt and shame or something. We recognize, yes, Lord, I know I I have this, but I also recognize that you have given me grace. Every day I recognize your grace, that you're the good news of who you are is giving me the strength to live each day. And so I raise my hands and I shout for joy and I stand before you in worship. It's just like in, in Nehemiah, the people of, um, of Israel, the scriptures were read to them and they began to weep with conviction. But Nehemiah and the, and the priests say, do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So it's like cry for that moment, but do not be grieved. Rejoice, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. We sang that song even earlier today that we rejoice because God gives us strength for all of these things. And so then the next thing, the kind of the last thing that we see in this little story is how worship is a response of all of our, our whole life being a life of submission to God, giving our lives to serve him and glorify him in all we do. Check out verse 8. After he's been forgiven, and then we see it says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said this, Here am I, send me. Isaiah's response here is this response of his whole life being submitted to God. 
I've seen you. You've revealed yourself to me. God, I worship you. I've been forgiven. I recognize my sinfulness and now my forgiveness and salvation. And so now I just respond with submission. Lord, here am I. Send me. And I think that response is a worshipful response. Is a response that is helping kind of just align our hearts and minds to the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. And we're saying, Lord, I will do whatever you would have me do. And so there's this like, this moment in the throne room, right, of God. There's this moment when in all of this incredible revelation of who God is, and he's just struck with the, the awe and wonder of who God is. But then that leads out of the throne room into a life lived for Christ every day. And all of that is worship. The moment in the throne room is worship. And then the the moments lived outside of it, that's all worship. It's all worship. Our whole life lived for God is worshiping him. And so our response in this that I want to express to us is this, that we would spend our lives praying, giving, and serving God. And that would be our spiritual act of worship. As Romans 12 says, that we live our lives every day. Our lives are our sacrifice of worship to God. And that's what we are giving to him. And so I just want to briefly spend a little time just looking into each of these things of ways that we can worship God through prayer, through giving, through serving. Maybe trying to get us to think a little bit differently than just worship is singing songs in a church service because it's so much more. It is that, but it's just more than that. And so prayer. Prayer, I think, is the most effective way to realign your heart and mind to the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. And so we want to pray to God as we spend time with him. It's not just, though, having like a grocery list that we recite to God, okay, of the things that we want him to do for us. Prayer has to be something more than that. And so prayer is more of an ongoing conversation with God where we express our heart to him. We express not just our requests, but all the things that we're thinking and feeling and, and, and we express that to him. And then we ask him though, now Lord, tell me what it is that you would have me do. And then we actually then would spend some time like shutting our mouths and listening, okay? Listening to the voice of God in our life. And what does God want to tell us that our lives should be about? And so we dig into his word and we spend time in stillness and listening to him. And then as he speaks to us, then we say, okay, Lord, now I want to pray that you would do more of that in my life. Not just the things I want, but the things that you want for me. I want to pray for that. And I think that can begin to transform how you pray as worship. Jesus prayed this sort of way in Luke 22, right before he was killed. He prays this in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says, he knelt down and began to pray. And he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And he's talking about his his upcoming torture and execution Remove this cup from me. Like, nobody wants to do, nobody wants to do that. Jesus knew that he needed to do that. But he's saying, if, if there's some other way, remove this cup from me. But then he says, yet not my will, but yours be done, Father. And that kind of prayer is, is I think, this worshipful, submissive, here am I, send me sort of prayer. It's a prayer that's saying, I want to shift my, my mind and my heart 
and then I will act on whatever that shift is. So not my will, your will be done. Because then he does it. He goes through with it. He follows through with the cup that he had just said, remove please from me if you're willing. But then he, you know, he has this submissive prayer to the Father. And so if we can pray in that way, I think it's so worshipful. And, and just prayer is something too that really just builds intimacy with God, builds intimacy with the Father. And I think that kind of ongoing prayer is just, I've always known that's important, but it's, it's growing as something that's just more and more important to me because I believe that that ongoing intimacy with the Father is really what will lead to a Holy Spirit-empowered life. It's not just praying in the moment that you need something. It's praying all the time and developing an intimacy with the Father that then leads to more of a Spirit-filled, powerful life and God at work in us and through us. So prayer is one. The next is giving. I know we all love just talking about giving money. It's our favorite topic. And so I thought we'd just really go on and on about it. But... um, no, it's a hard one, right? It's hard for all of us. But giving is, is important. And it's important, you know, for a, a lot of reasons, I think, that really can help us. Because when we give, and when we give our money away, it, it helps remind us that money is not the more, most important thing to us. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve money and God. So as we give, it helps us remind us that our only master is God. And then as we give, it helps remind us that our security, our provision, our fulfillment is not found in that money. It's found in God. And so as we do that, it helps us, again, realign our mindsets to God. And giving is worship. I mean, you probably hear us even as we begin. Matt Doan did it today. As we began a time of offering, we worship through our giving, through, um, through our offering time. And it's worship. And it was worship like the Magi, right? The Magi, they came, they worshiped, and they gave gifts to Jesus. It was worship in the the temple sacrifice system in the Old Testament when they'd have to come and they'd have to give their perfect animal. They'd have to give their best. They'd have to, if they didn't have one, they'd have to buy one with their money and they'd have to buy an animal that would be sacrificed, that they would sacrifice to God. And then that animal would be taken and placed upon the altar and the, the smoke would rise as the beautiful barbecue smell that God apparently loves. It rises up to heaven and it's like, and that was pleasing to God. That Their sacrifice was pleasing to God. Now check out this passage in Philippians. So this is New Testament. This is after Jesus has died and rose again. And Paul is speaking to this new growing church in Philippi. And he says, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases your account. So there's something in that, that even though obviously giving is not about getting, but he's saying that there's some profit for you as you give. And then he says, but I've, re- um, but I've received everything in full and have an abundance. I'm amply supplied. 
having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. Now see how he describes this, this monetary gift that they've sent. He says it's a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. That this was their way of coming and, and doing this temple worship now. This way of giving their sacrifice that was pleasing to God. So when we give, that's an act of worship. And we want to give of our best. Just like they gave of their best. It's, we want to give our first fruits is how it was referred to. The, the first of what we have, not just our leftovers, right, at the end. So we plan ahead. We plan well to be able to give. And we want to be able to do that and do that in a way that's expressing our heart of worship to God. Even with all the sort of modern conveniences that we have to offer worship, we're not having to raise animals and then slaughter them. We're not even having to bring cash and put it into a bag as it's passed. I mean, we, we do like automatic bill pay or online giving or text to give or an app to give or whatever. We have all of these ways to make it more convenient. But in the midst of all of that convenience, we want to make sure that our hearts, though, are still in it. And it wasn't just a box we checked off a long time ago. And so even sometimes in our family, we, we give on like the app thing on our phones and um, but sometimes we'll just like do it here in the service because it sort of feels, it's just how it feels for us. You don't have to do it whenever. It's still worship. But it just has a sense of feeling like we're coming to bring our, our offering and to worship God in that way. And so whether you do that at, you know, on a beginning of the month when you're paying your bills or something, or sitting at your like dining room table or you're doing it here in church, it's still worship. So treat it as such. When you have those moments, treat it as worship. Um, the, the next one, so that's giving. The next one is serving that I want to talk a little bit about. Serving, how we serve in the church or in our community, serving one another. That serving is worship also. A couple uh, passages. One is this in Hebrews 13, 15 to 16. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. And then I'll just skip down. It says, do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices... God is pleased. So when we do good for others, when we, you know, when we give to others, when we share with others, that is a sacrifice, that is worship to God. And God is pleased with that. When we serve, it pleases the heart of God. And then one more verse is in Matthew 4.10. And this is Jesus actually when he was being tempted by Satan. And he says, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so what's interesting, I think, about this is this word worship it, here. It's this Greek word called proskuneo, which is like kind of a normal word for worship that you would read in the New Testament. But then when it says serve him only, that's this other Greek word, latruo, that is normally it's either to serve, to minister, to minister to others. But 10 times in the New Testament, it's translated as worship. So this word to serve is also to worship. So as we serve, we are worshiping God. We worship God and we serve him. We worship him by serving him and we only serve him alone. And so I want us to think about this a little bit for, for us here at Calvary of how we serve and how, how we worship. Because we have this vision that for Calvary that we say Calvary seeks to be a family that lives life 
better together, right? So we want to be a family, not just some institution or building or a, a meeting that we attend or something. That We are a family. And so as a family, and we want to be growing more and more as a family, part of what families do is they serve and they pitch in with one another. It's kind of like if you're going to have dinner as a family, you know, somebody, you don't just show up and like dinner is magically there. Some kids think this is what happens, but dinner's not just magically there and like, and you eat the meal and nothing else happens. Like someone goes shopping, someone does cooking, someone sets the table, someone does the dishes, right? Like there's things that happen in the middle of all of that was the meal that we shared together. And I kind of think of this with this, uh, our worship services and especially, hey, next week, 930, we're all together in one worship service from now on, that that that's our meal that we have together. But to make that meal happen takes the family pitching in and serving and helping. And that's just part of being in a family. We don't just eat the meal. We all pitch in to help make the meal happen, right? And so I think for us, we just are in the midst as we head into this whole one worship service thing. It's also the fall. It's also just like when we're always kind of recruiting and starting to need leaders for different things and volunteers for different things. And so some of, as they talked about, like starting next week, we need 30 people serving in the 930 service with children. Now that doesn't mean every week, we just need 30 people to help like once or twice a month. But that's 30 new people. And so we're asking you to think about that. We need at the 11 o'clock, we need 20 people to serve with kids once or twice a month. We need that. We need about 10 more people serving with our student ministries. We need more people serving in the parking lot because parking is going to be more of like an issue. There's going to be more people around. And so we want to help make that the best situation possible. So we need more people serving in the parking lot. We're going to have these like free coffee little stations outside. We need some people to hang out and just greet people as they come to the coffee station. all, All these sorts of things. And so we just want to ask you like, hey, one of these roles, like even as we've been saying, like be praying about where you could serve. Well, it's time to stop like just praying and start signing up, all right? So it's the time to start signing up to do the stuff and pitching in to help as a family. And so in the lobby today, after the service, we'll have um, Matt Davis can be a little table to be able to talk about children's and students serving there. And then we'll have at the Connection Point Central, Robert, Natalie, or others will be there to help if you want to work in the parking lot or as a greeter in some other role that we need to just go for it and pitch in and start serving in the family. And so like serving though, when we do that, that's worship. And I want us to remember that, that that's worship. Worship is also a bunch of other stuff. If you got the bulletin, you can see on the back are a bunch of spiritual disciplines. They're basically, it's a huge list of other ways that you can express worship to God in all sorts of, of kind of interesting and different kinds of ways, whether that's silent solitude or fasting or fellowship, prayer, whatever. So you can kind of look through those and if that's helpful for you. But I'd like for our our response today, I'd like for our response today to to recognize, to basically be about recognizing what our hearts are to be when it comes to what worship is in all of our life. That worship is about us surrendering our whole lives to God in how we live them every day. That is worship. And so for me, the posture of that is to kneel before God to kneel before God and say, Lord, help me surrender all of my life to you as an act of worship. This is hard for me. 
You know, just to admit that the parts of it that are hard for you. And then to confess that to him and then surrender that to him. And kneel before him recognizing he is the king that is worthy of your surrendering to him. And then, you know, after a little while we'll rise and we'll sing. So I'm going to pray. And then after that we're going to sing these songs. I'm just going to ask you to get on your knees at your place that you're sitting. If you want to come to the front, be somewhere else in the room. We'll have people available for prayer in that time as well. But let's physically get on our knees as a response to God in worship. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we pray to you now and we acknowledge that you are God, that you are the creator of all things, that you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our of every aspect of our lives being lived for you. And so today, God, we surrender our whole life to you. And may it be pleasing to you, an acceptable sacrifice to you, God. And we we recognize who you are as the king of all kings as we kneel before you, our holy God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we sing, let's be upon our knees in worship to God.